city of Arequipa has about a million people in it, and so it's a very large city, especially for Peru. And uh, outside of the city, there are hundreds of thousands of little teeny tiny communities, people living in teeny tiny communities all over the mountainside. And so you can go up the hill and find one, and you can go down in the valley and find another one, and you, you travel all over. Many of them have these cute little squares with statues in them, and um, there's all kinds of neat things that take place. Well, we were working with a group of missionaries that were doing church planting in these areas, and one of the areas was just this a little tiny, nothing necessarily fancy about it, community that sat right outside of Atakipa. We were going up there that week to do the Jesus film, and so we had set up in the little courtyard of their community center, which was a little cinder block building that um, had a basketball goal outside. And so it was their community center, and we were setting up to do Jesus film there, and then we were walking around inviting people that day to be a part of the Jesus film that night. Pretty simple. I was joking with Dave this morning, Dave Pottinger, we were, uh, we were talking about um, how uh, he knows enough to get himself in trouble, uh, in and out of trouble, right? And so uh, we're <laughs> in and out of trouble. And I said, that's my Spanish. So I'm getting ready this spring. I have to go to Costa Rica for part of my doctoral program. I know, feel bad for me, right? And, um, and so we're going, and my professor this week in our meeting, he was like, well, Rachel knows Spanish. And I was like, no, stop, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> I know enough Spanish to get myself in and out of trouble, but that's about the extent of it. Um, but I, so I'm in this group of people and I'm using my very limited Spanish to keep myself out of trouble. And we're roaming around the town and we're just inviting people, pretty similar language, every single place we go, we're talking to each house. And we go up and when I talk about houses, like they live on little tiny plots of land, just really small. And again, it's all dust and dirt and, um, and, and rocks and, and dirt and dust. That's pretty much what it is. And then they live in these little tiny homes. Most of them were made of cinder block, a little bit nicer than some of the other communities that I've been in. But they were usually one bedroom and some type of living space. But the weather in Arequipa is always 75 degrees and sunny. Like it's the most gorgeous place in the world to live if you're going for weather and we should move there so I quit freezing to death. And so we go and, but most of them have their living spaces right outside their homes. And so they have these little homes, and then they've got these archways. And right inside those archways, they'll have plastic lawn chairs set up. And sometimes maybe a little table like you'd find at Walmart, like an end table. And they would use that as a table. And they eat outside, and they commune outside, and they talk outside, and they invite their neighbors over outside, all of these things. And so we go to this lady's home, and like my, again, my Spanish is limited. And so she's talking to us, and I'm doing my best to talk to her. And she's like, I want to invite you to have Coke. And so she meant like Coca-Cola, not, not the other stuff. So Coca-Cola. So she brings out this, this liter bottle of Coke, and she sits it on the table, and she brings one glass, whoop, one glass right there. And she pours it into the glass, and we just pass the glass around. And we all drink, this was before COVID, people. And so we just pass the glass around, and we listen to her, and she talks to us. And we just felt like we were the most important people in the world because she shared probably um, oh, I forgot part of the story till just now. Isn't it amazing how our minds work? She had sent a little boy in her neighborhood, she sent him with a few coins to go buy that liter of Coke, which made me think at that time, I wonder how many coins she has left after us sitting in her little entryway. That was a good part of the story. I'm glad I remembered that. Um, I, I just wonder. Like she gave to us out of her little so that we could feel welcome at her table. Will you stand for the reading of God's word today? Now you're going to look and you're going to say, Pastor, we're still in the Esther series. Why are we in the book of Matthew? Well, I'll tell you later. 
But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. We're going to join with all the other prophets right now. Daniel had a vision like this. Isaiah had a vision like this. Jeremiah had a vision like this. We're going to join in with the prophets of old, and we are going to envision ourselves right now in the very presence of God. And there he is on his throne. And all the nations, just imagine that in your mind, all the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand and his goats at the left. And then the king will say, he'll say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick? in prison and visit you and the king will say I tell you the truth when you did it to one of the least of these my brothers and sisters you were doing it to me and the king then the king will turn to the left away with you you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons for I was hungry and you did not feed me I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he'll answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. The word of God for the people of God. So we've been in Esther, and I've had a really hard time preaching it. Because every single week I feel like I need to re-preach the story because I'm afraid somebody missed it at one point or another. We're not going to do that today. I'm not going to re-preach the entire uh, ten chapters of the book of Esther this morning. What I do want to do is remind you a little bit of the story, just a tiny bit. Esther has become the queen. King Xerxes is the king. He is Persian. She is Jewish. He married her not knowing that that was the case. His right-hand man, who's an Amicalite, um, he uh, came into the presence of the king and decided that all of the Jews should be killed because he was mad at one person. Have you ever made a big decision about an entire group of people based on one interaction with one person? Yeah, that's what he did. When the king finds out what Haman has done, he kills him instead of the Jews, and the people are saved because of the king's love for his wife. Now, the story gets into some pieces that are pretty violent towards the end. The first five chapters of the book are kind of warm and fuzzy and fluffy. 
you get this feeling like, oh, for such a time as this, I was created, and you feel empowered and ready to go and conquer the world. And then you get to the, the end of Esther, and you get to some really ugly, really war-laden, really vengeful mindsets and attitudes, even of God's people. A lot of destruction takes place, a lot of death and murder take place, and you read the entire book of Esther. If any of you have done that during this sermon series, you don't have to confess, but um, if any of you have done that during this sermon series, you read the end of Esther and you go, oh, that's what the story's about. There's a lot of, a lot of racial injustice that takes place in the book of Esther. But but there are these, these main characters that give us this really good overview of what the kingdom was like there. The kingdom was very diverse. Lots of people from all different nations had joined in that place. It was not necessarily different than the United States, where people from all over the world have come, every race, every religion, every color of skin, every mindset, every belief system, have gathered into one giant melting pot, and that is what this place was like. A giant melting pot of this part of the world. And the people all gathered together under the kingship of Xerxes, partially because they didn't necessarily have a choice. They didn't pick him as their king. He just was the king. He was the one who had conquered the most, and he won. And there he sat. And we learn a lot of things about this king that we don't necessarily like. Um, he's real wishy-washy. Like, he had a wife kicked out because she didn't want to show up and show off her body to all of his friends, and so he got rid of her, and then he has this you know, parade of beautiful women, and he picks which one he wants. And then uh, there's, like, all of these things that he does that we look at, and we kind of go, so gross like the dude was just really really gross oh my goodness if you cannot smile at that people then you need to just I don't know what you need to do like you you've got to be you, you can do it you can be awake this morning I promise he he was just a really gross dude he made lots of really bad decisions whenever it came to the way that you treat people because he wasn't humble or gentle or patient or bearing with one another in love. He didn't exude the things of God. He exuded the things of this world. He sat on his high horse. He thought he was God's given gift to this entire nation, and he treated himself as a God, which means that he wasn't humble. He was indignant. He was selfish. And every decision that he made was for that sake. We want to congratulate him because he made the right decision in the end. The reason he made the right decision is because he loved Esther. Esther, Good for the Jewish people that he loved her a lot. Because otherwise, he probably would have gotten rid of her just like he did his first queen. He was very undecided, right? We saw that he made multiple decisions at the beginning of this story that were really sketched down. Like he got mad at his wife, and then he got drunk, and he, gra he gathered a whole group of guys together as leaders, and they all decided that they were going to make new rules about how wives should obey their husbands all of the time, and they should never dishonor them, and they should do all of these things, and they felt really good about these decisions that they were making because they were drunk and men. And so they just, they just made these really bad decisions. Um, and then, of course, he brings Haman into this party, and Haman's the one that gets really upset at Mordecai, and, and he starts making decisions, right? He starts saying, hey, 
the whole, he, he makes up this big elaborate story, and the king also in his, is gullible. He goes, oh, there's an entire nation of people living amongst us, and they want to destroy your kingdom, and your king, and so like his chest gets puffed up, because he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm the king, and nobody's going to destroy me, and the word is going to do a thing about that, and so then they go in, and, and he makes this rule where on, the, on a certain day, all of the Jewish people are to be killed. But when Esther sits and tells him the truth, he changes his mind immediately. And not just a little bit. He goes, great, this is what we're going to do then. We're going to kill Haman and then all the Jews. I can't change the law, but whenever it happens, you guys can all fight back. And so there will just be this bloodbath of Persians and of Jews. And that was not of God. That was of king. His kingship was selfish and undecided. It was a detriment to the people, and yet the Jews were saved through it because of God's goodness and of his great love. Today is Christ the King Sunday. Um, In the early 1900s, the Pope said, we need to have a Sunday at the very end of the year where we decide that we are going to hone in on the fact that Jesus is really king. And not just for the Catholic Church, he said, so that all the world will know and all of the world will be reminded that the ultimate king, the ultimate authority for all of the people and all of the nations across all of the seas, they are all under the authority of the kingship of Jesus. And so is Christ the King Sunday. It is the end of the year. So next week we could say Happy New Year, even though that seems odd. In the church calendar, this is the last Sunday of the year because we start the beginning of our church year with the beginning of the birth of our Savior. And so Advent begins a brand new time of year for us, which is very exciting if you love the idea of of living according to the church calendar. We get to navigate through. We get to navigate through from the very, from the expectation of Jesus' birth until his birth. And then we come up on wonderful times like, like the Lenten season that lead us into Easter. And then we go from Easter to Pentecost where we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then we have kind of this common time where we, where we just, we look at the scriptures as a whole. And it leads us up until this point today where the end has come and we declare Christ as king over all things, over all nations. He is the ruler. In the book of John, at the, at the very end of the, well, not the very end of the book, but Jesus is, is in the process of being crucified. He is a king that does not look like any king that has ever come before. He is not selfish. He is not working for his own ambitions or his own desires. He has come as a sacrificial king for all came for us. And so he stands before Pilate, and we're going to jump into the book of John here real quick, but um, Pilate goes back into his headquarters, and he calls for Jesus to be brought to him. Okay, this is in the middle of Jesus being accused and convicted. Are you the king of the Jews, he asks him. Jesus replied, is this your own question, or did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom 
is not an earthly kingdom. If it was, my followers would be fighting. There'd be a war at place to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, so you are a king? Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. I think for a moment of the beauty of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the fairest of 10,000, the bright and morning star, he is called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he came for you. He came in all of his glory and all of his rightness and all of his godliness was born of a virgin, came to this earth, grew up fully human and fully God, in the presence of God and all of the earth. He ministered to the people. We read that first passage in Matthew and we look back and we talk about clothing the naked and feeding the hungry and visiting the prisoner. Welcoming people to our tables that do not look like us or act like us or think like us. And we look at all of the tables that Jesus sat at with prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners. That is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's him. That's him. And he came for you. And he exhibited all of the things that he said in Matthew. At the end of John, we say, I am, he's the way, the truth, and the life, right? He says, everything that I say is true. So we have to jump back to that Matthew passage, and we have to say, what Jesus said there was true. That in his kingship, there is a coming day. There is a day where God on his throne, filled with grace and truth and holy justice, We'll look at his people. And this isn't a decision that will be made lightly or off the cuff. It won't be, it won't be like King Yerxes. It won't be a decision that God makes because he is selfish or unkind or unloving. He's not wishy-washy. It's a decision that he decided to make long, long ago. And there we will stand, us a part of every single person in the world, Every single nation. And I'm going to challenge you for just a hot second. If you've been spending a lot of time in your vocabulary talking poorly about other people in our world, whether it's because of the color of their skin or the nation that they're from or the land that they live in, then one day at the feet of Jesus, you're going to be looking around and those people are going to be standing right there with you. They're going to be right there with you. All the nations of the world. So what better time to get your heart right than now? Get it right now, man. God's not looking for a white, middle-aged kingdom of God. He's looking at every nation and every tongue from every corner of the earth. And in those moments, he will separate. There will be those who in their life have declared that Jesus is king. 
They have confessed with their mouths and believed with their hearts that it is true. And because of that, they'll be saved. They're going to be on this right side over here with the sheep. But here's the kicker. Sometimes we stop there. Sometimes we go, oh, yeah, I did the things. I prayed the prayer and I did the altar and I show up to church on Sunday morning. Yay, Jesus. But that's not, that's not what he's going to say to the sheep. He didn't say, did you say the prayer right? Oh, did you? No, oh, no, you didn't do the prayer right. You go over there. He's not going to say, um, did you, like, did, did, you, did you go to church every Sunday? He's not going to ask that. He's not going to separate us by how many times we went to church. He's going to look at you and go, when people were naked, did you clothe them? When people were hungry, did you feed them? When people were in prison, did you visit them? When people were broken, did you bring healing? When you had extra in your pockets, did you give it so that God could use it for his glory and for his goodness? When they were thirsty, did you give them something to drink? Did the people around you have food in their bellies, clothes on their back? Not only did you accept Christ as your king, but did you live according to his kingdom principles? Did you live there? That's what he's going to ask you. Did you live there? And I hope all of us can look at him and say, man, to the best of my ability. To the best of my ability, I lived there. I did it. When you asked, I said yes. When you wanted me to give, I gave. When I saw a need, I did everything in my power to fill it. Because it's not the government's job to do it, it's yours. So quit pushing it off on somebody else. If it shows up at your doorstep, it's your job. Because you're kingdom people. I'm not mad, I'm just saying it how it is. And then he's going to look over. He's going to look over to the other side. No offense, left-handed people. You're just over on my left side, so that's what you get. And so, <laughs> you sat on the wrong side of the sanctuary swing. And so, like, he's going to look over to the side, and he's going to say, you didn't do all of these things. And I really believe that there are people who believe that they are God followers. They do. I mean, the majority of our nation. Even though they're not going to church, they're not connected with the body of Christ, they're not necessarily living out what it means to be Christ followers, they're going to say, we didn't know. When did we, when did we know? When did we see? You weren't naked. You had clothes. You weren't hungry. We have no idea what you're talking about, Jesus. And you say, yeah, that's a problem. Because if you didn't know, then you didn't really know me. If you didn't do, then you really didn't know me. Because if you would have known what my kingdom was about, oh, you would have lived there. You would have said yes. You would have done. I think about sitting at my house. This weekend we had Thanksgiving. Um, and I... And we'll, we'll have another Thanksgiving. But when Thanksgiving's your favorite holiday, you just do it twice if you need to, right? And so we just did it twice. Yay for us. Yay for me. And, uh, and so we had Thanksgiving yesterday, and, and, my, and we had 20 people in, my, in my, uh, my house. And we're all sitting at the table, and I look over all of these people, and my heart just fills up. It just fills up with love and gratitude and thanks to God. I think about all that I have and how very, very blessed that I am. I just want you to imagine for a second that your doorbell rings on Thanksgiving morning. 
and there stands Jesus. Maybe you don't even know that it's him. Maybe it's a neighbor who just lost a spouse or a mom who lives down the street. Maybe it's a homeless man who lives in your community. I don't know who will ring the doorbell. Let's just say it was Jesus. And we have an opportunity to do just what that Peruvian lady did right outside of her tiny home with a little awning and a liter of Coke. Sit with us. Be with us, Jesus. What if we looked at every single person like that? Every single person. I go to Sam's Club a lot. I got a lot of people in my house. We buy a lot of things from Sam's. But on Miller Lane, you'll notice that there are all kinds of people that are homeless living along Miller Lane. Got people living in, in vans by the hotels, so when they get their next check, they get to sleep in the hotel for a couple nights, and then they're sleeping in their van for another week or two weeks or how long it takes to get the next check. I know that it's real. I know that it's real because it's living in my house right now. What if we looked at every single person like they were Jesus? Oh God, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you, oh Lord, that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. That we don't have to look any for, look, we don't have to look any further for our salvation or for our hope because you are it. You're it. We praise you, King Jesus. All hail, King Jesus. All hail, Emmanuel, King of kings, Lord of lords, bright morning star. And for all eternity, we will sing your praises. God, I ask that you shake us up today. When we're faithful to your word and your word gets into us, it never leaves us where it found us but it draws us closer to you. Lord, draw us closer to yourself this morning. And I pray it in your name. Amen. The worship team's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song in closing today. And I am, um, I don't know about you, but maybe God's been working on your heart this morning. Maybe you've been, maybe you've been struggling with being prejudiced that that is snuck into your heart and your life and the way that you live it and you just need God to forgive you of some things today. These altars are open and there's a whole row up here that you can just come and sit if kneeling isn't something that you're able to physically do. Maybe today you just want to ask the Lord to open your eyes. Open my eyes, Lord. I want to see Jesus, right? Open our eyes so that we can see Jesus in all things. And if nothing else this morning... Let's stand and praise him, for he is King of kings, Lord of lords. For your benediction today comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. 
and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from his sins by his blood. And he made us to be a kingdom, priests serving his God and Father. And to him be glory and domain over all things, over your life this week. Amen. You are dismissed.